This is Saving Brothers with Philip Robertson on the Saving Brothers podcast. And welcome everyone to another episode of the Saving Brothers podcast. And I'm always excited to have great guests. And today, well, another one of my great guests and I would say a friend as well. Michael Trencher. Trench, welcome to the Saving Brothers podcast, brother. Thank you very much, Phil. Great to be here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to today. And um, yeah, just can't wait to uh, have a great conversation with you all about uh, all about resilience. Yeah. Well, I think really in the current climate, in the current world, it's such an important thing because we really are getting battered with a lot of stuff in the media, in the feedback we see and get from other people, in the way that they are dealing with stuff of what's going on at the moment. And I think it's such a challenging time. So, Trench, I thought, look, why don't we start back up a little bit, kind of like that program, This Is Your Life. Tell us a little bit about you, Michael Trench, your journey, and what has brought you to this whole area of resilience. Sure. Thank you. Um, thanks, Phil. Yeah, look, I've been involved in um, in the in the business world for a number of years, um, and as you know, through you know through uh, banking and finance as a as a grounding. But through that journey, um, came across a number of you know small businesses and small business owners who have an enormous amount of challenges, both business and personal. And through that journey, uh, moved uh, away from the finance world more into the coaching and consulting, consulting initially and then and into coaching and then more into personal coaching. Um, just understanding that there's so many challenges, particularly for small business people who uh, where, where your personal and business lives intertwine and how do you cope with that. And over the past year and a half through some personal challenges that I've had uh, outside of COVID, but from a family perspective, uh, have really specialised my, my business and my coaching business into um, Building and sustaining resilience, and as it's turned out, it's been um, it's so relevant relative to what's been happening to to so many people. So, over the journey, I've had uh, you know the privilege of meeting and speaking with so many individuals uh, and working with teams uh, from all walks of life, and I understand that the challenges that many people face are very similar. And so, uh, so here I am today um, talking to you about building resilience and and hopefully imparting some of the, uh, the, uh, the insights that I've picked up over the years to, to the Saving Brothers cohort. I, I think a great place to start is let's define it. Let's unpack it. What do you think is resilience? Well, resilience really is, I guess, you know, the technical uh, term is in the psychological strength to cope with, with stress and hardship that comes, that comes along. Um, or if you like, that mental reservoir that you have to pull out uh, when things get a bit tough, and it could be a variety of uh, it can be a, a variety of issues that that you know, that comes to the fore, such as you know, job loss, uh, relationship uh, issues or relationship breakdowns, um, through to you know, uh, bereavement as well, um, medical you know, Ill, medical medical issues, illnesses, natural disasters, if you like, but also particularly relevant uh, the the, the issues associated with COVID and what we're seeing today. Um, so there's a variety of, of different issues that can 
create stress and hardship in your life. And I think what we're seeing at the moment is a number of those factors converging, creating an amplified um, uh, series of issues for a number of people. The key to resilience, though, and most people who are resilient really have the ability to to remain calm and to have that sort of toughness through it. And what people realise is that being resilient doesn't actually make the issue go away. The issues still remain. They're still here. We're still on lockdown if you're in Melbourne and Sydney uh, you know, or other places of the world. If you've got other issues in your life, those issues don't go away. They're still there. Resilience is really your ability to cope with those issues and to get you through to the other side. And I'll talk a little bit more as we work through today's conversation around what that looks like in terms of building resilience, because the good news is you can actually build resilience. But the question is, you know, how do you how do you go about building it and then how do you apply that those techniques and those things that you build to help you cope with the situation, to help you get through the situation, if not necessarily make it go away. It can help to make it go away, but it can at least help you get through it. Why do you reckon, Trench, some people are more resilient than others? Yeah, so it's a really good question, actually. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, some people just have natural, natural um, have a natural positive outlook on life. So they just have some some natural traits that um, they draw upon from time to time, and those those that that comes about really from a view of themselves, or a really positive view of themselves, or a positive view of uh, of their abilities. So. It really can can come down to that natural sort of inklings or natural leanings towards being positive. A lot of people that have resilience already um, view the world in a different way. So they have this, and you may have heard the expression over the years: this internal uh, internal uh, focus or internal uh, locus of control, where people take responsibility or understand that what they're feeling comes from themselves, as opposed to an external locus of control where they feel that things are being done to them. So people who are resilient tend to look at things internally and say, you know what, I can actually change some things, but I can certainly change the way I feel rather than having that that feeling that, you know, well, what happens out there is being done to me. So, for example, if you take the COVID situation, okay, we're in lockdown. Some of our controls have been taken away from us. We can't do certain things, right? And it's, you know, it's against the law to do certain things in, in some respects. Um so that control's been taken away when we get that. Uh, you know, but how do you cope with that? Okay, well, you know, it's your view on that. You might have an opinion on it, which we all do, but it's how you go about your daily life in relating to what that external control on you means to you versus what you can control internally and how you feel. So it's a combination of things, and I think people who are resilient, um, why some people are more resilient than others, I think they, they actively work at it. So it's actually a work in progress. And, you know, even I, and I, I, I'm sort of involved in this for quite some time, I consider myself a bit of a work in progress as well because it's a continual continual journey, a continual learning uh, in our experience as to how can I get more and more resilient, particularly in light of some of the events that have occurred in recent times where, you know, it's called upon all of our strengths to push through, uh, you know, what, what, we're, what we're all facing. I think one of the things about resilience is about optimism. So if you are a optimistic person, the glass half full rather than glass half empty, I think mm-hmm. there really is a natural inclination towards, okay, well, okay, this has happened. All right, what can I control? 
I can control some things such as how do I choose to respond to a situation rather than react and take out, okay, well, there's a lesson in this for me. What is the lesson? What could I have done differently or better? And when you have, I think, a, a, an intrinsic optimism or what Martin Seligman would say, learned optimism, Mm-hmm. then I think you're going to find that those people, I'd be, I think it would be a really interesting study, the people that are genuinely optimistic are going to tend to be a lot more resilient. Would, would you agree? I completely agree. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of Martin Seligman, have to say. Um, yes, I. The, the, the word you use there is really crucial, choice. You can choose. Exactly. So you can wake up in the morning and you can choose one of two things. You can choose one this, this way or that way. And it's how you choose. So let's say some of these things are outside of our control. It's how you choose to react to those particular issues. And some of them are big ticket issues, by the way. You know, um, you know, there's lots of trauma in a lot of people's lives, not just COVID and lockdown, but yeah. through life you have there's some major trauma that happens. And, you know, and, and it's hard to make those choices uh, easily, but certainly having a choice of being optimistic and looking at what you can you know, how you can frame uh, a particular uh, issue is, is crucial. That's absolutely right. So, yeah, great observation. Well, I, th- I think myself personally, when I had cancer at 47, diagnosed mm-hmm. with prostate cancer, and you hear the C word and with, without telling too much uh, out, of, out of line, you, you've, your family's had to deal with a, with, yes. a, with a cancer story, of course. Yes, absolutely. But I chose, there you go, there, I'll use that word again, Trench, I chose that... What is in this for me? What is the learning? What is this going to, what is this teaching me or challenging me? And I actually used it as a kind of like an out-of-body experience, like I was in a movie and I was observing myself and my attitudes and my behaviours. And as, as bizarre as this might sound, in a lot of ways, whilst it was challenging, I actually enjoyed it because it was a test for me. It was kind of like a holy grail. This is mm-hmm. this is something that I'm up for. And I took a really optimistic, positive approach that, right, Phil, you've, you've been given cancer for something. There's a lesson here for you. And I was mm-hmm. always of the opinion, mate, of let me seek that out. What is this teaching me? And it taught me resilience, I think, and optimism, and that it will be okay if you feel it's going to be okay. Well, that's a perfect example of the internal locus of control and external force. Well, you had cancer, which was from inside you, of course, but yeah, you didn't. You know, it happened to you. You had no control over it uh, as such. Uh, but then you went internal and you said, "Okay, well, how do I?" You know, and you actually almost went to the to the extent of being so self-aware that you actually were looking looking down on yourself and saying, "Okay, yeah, how do I? You know, what what am I going to do with this guy being you?" And then and then working through it. So. Uh, that's a perfect example of, of having yeah, an internal. I think, it, yeah. I think it's a really good example of, 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 or even how was I dealing with the challenges of a divorce and no mm. longer living with my two sons and missing my boys and dealing with the guilt. I, that was a time that for me to get from that journey back in 2018, Trench, to get to a point where I, I moved out of a beautiful big family home into a one-bedroom mm. apartment because I felt guilty about spending money on too much money on rent coming out of the family uh, pool of mm. funds, that in a way I was punishing myself. Mm. It's quite quite interesting the psychology I find around that. I, I'd like to dive in 
How can, do you think, building resilience help all of us? Well, um, there's a few components to this. I think um, building resilience, if you can build resilience, it'll give you strength to go through the various issues that you're dealing with. And the way that you can you can do that, the way it best can help you is to, first of all, frame the issue. So to put a framework around it. It sounds a bit of a cliche to say put a frame around it and so forth, but when I say that, I mean, you know, where does this sort of fit in your life? What's the frame around it? And how do you, how can you contend with what, what you're facing? And then in the same breath, put it in context. So, you know, what, what does that actually mean? What's, what are you going through today? And what's the context within your life? So, for example, if we're thinking of lockdowns and, you know, that's topical at the moment, so I'm sort of, you know, honing in on that a little bit. But, you know, what's, what is our current lockdown situation and everything we're going to go through in the context of five years from today? You know, hopefully it'll be a thing of the past and we'll be living, you know, COVID-free or in a world where, you know, it's, it's not anything like today. And I'm sure it will be. We're finding that already in the first, you know, in the next, in the next few months. So contextualising the issue, putting a frame around it and putting it in context, um, what that does, it, it actually allows you to then create some clarity around what you what the actual issue is, both in terms of what the issue is, what it means to you, but also in terms of what it is that you need to do to contend with it and to cope with it and to build up your resilience towards it, okay? And if you can get those concepts right or even just that thinking right, and this isn't some sort of, you know, major thesis or something. It's simply just sitting down over a cup of tea or a glass of wine or something and just saying, okay, what does this mean to me? What's the frame around it? What's the context? And, and you know, and, and can I see this problem clearly for what it is? It allows you to then to plan. And if you can plan your way out of it, that's fantastic. And as I say, it doesn't necessarily mean to plan your way to change it because that issue still may stay the same. You may, you may still have the same emotions. You may still have, you know, some anxiety. You may still have some grief. You may still have some frustration or anger or whatever the case they may be there but by doing the all the things i just spoke about what it allows you to do is put it into a into a into a place where you're uh, better able to cope with it and be more resilient towards it so that's how um building resilience can can really help you understanding you know what it really means to you but also really recognizing that the issue may still be there and your emotions that may still be there but it's how you deal with it that you can change. Yeah, so it's all about how, how you can build resilience. I'd like to ask you mm. this question. What do you think are some of the misconceptions, though, that surround resilience? I th- there's there's a few. Um, I think the first, if I can put a, put a scale to you, and I know you like your, uh, your um, scale out of 10, uh, out, of, out of 10, how are, you, how are you doing today, brothers, which I know which is a, it's a great question. If you think of a scale of um, minus 10, 0, and plus 10, okay, for the context of what I'm about to talk about, one of the first misconceptions is that if you, if you change a negative situation, that will lead you to a state of well-being, right? And that's a misconception. So if you've got a negative situation, say if you're a, something's happened and you're sitting at, say, a minus 8, right? If you can contend with that and either change the negative situation or change the way you feel about it and so forth, a lot of people think, if I change that, I'll be happy. I'll be calm and content. And the misconception is that's not really the case. All that does is really bring you back to zero because you've addressed the issue. 
being happy, being calm and well-being and all of that sort of stuff requires ongoing um, building of resilience. And so therefore, um, changing a negative situation doesn't necessarily give you well-being. It brings you back to where you are, which is, you know, in inverted commas, normal or, or average or neutral, or you've removed the issue or at least you're dealing with the issue in a way which you can cope. Actually having well-being uh, requires an additional set of positive talk and so on and so forth. And I'll, I'll talk, I'll give some, some tips a bit later today um, around that. So that's one, one misconception is that changing a negative situation gives you well-being. Similarly, if you reduce negativity, another misconception is if you reduce negativity, uh, you can actually cope more effectively. And once again, that's not necessarily the case. If you change or, or move that, that dial from minus eight or minus nine to zero, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're um, coping more effectively. It means that you're getting yourself back to a place which is, you know, where you, where you could be. But in terms of setting yourself up for future issues that might occur, that's something that also needs to be worked on in terms of, you know, positive self-talk, hope, optimism, all of those things that we really touched on a bit earlier. And similarly, um, once again, if you use that scale of minus 10 to plus 10, a lot of people think that uh, you know, correcting um, correcting a weakness or changing something that, that, that's weak, that you're perhaps have, is, a, is a weakness in your system or in your thinking optimizes performance. That's not the case at all. So if you think about in a sports analogy, say, for example, a tennis player, professional tennis player who takes some time out um, off the circuit for a year, um, and their strength might have been, for example, um, their timing and their placement. Right? They've taken some time out. Uh, they're now no longer match fit. So they need to get, so their weakness is their fitness. They get back to being, you know, totally fit again. But at the same time, their strength hasn't been honed. So they're still not where they used to be. So, in terms of, you know, where you're coming from, it's being in, Correcting a weakness does not necessarily create great performance. It just gets you back to where you are. So, there's, so there's a lot of misconceptions about if I fix what's here, I'm going to be right up here again, and that's not the case. And that's why a lot of people get quite disappointed to say, "Well, that's fantastic, and I feel like I'm coping, but really, I'm not really truly happy." Happiness and well-being and so forth also requires an additional effort to take you there. So, with resilience, that's that's a few misconceptions that come into play because a lot of people think, "Well, I'm coping really well." But my life isn't really, you know, where it should be, and that's the, that's the reason why. So, when I work with a lot of my clients, what I do is I, I make them understand that, or help them understand that, but then also help them work through well, what is it that you need to do to then take it to the next level, and create that level of happiness or whatever it is you're looking to achieve. And I would have thought your coaching is really something that can be applied in your personal life, but also in your professional life. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, for example, if you look at, you know, correcting a weakness, that last example, correcting a weakness makes you perform better. When you think about it in business, uh, you know, if you've been in a corporate environment, when you have a performance evaluation and you walk into your boss and they go, you know what, we've got an hour, they'll spend five minutes talking about the things you did well and 55 minutes talking about the things you didn't do well and working on all that plan. Now, correcting that's great. But playing, you know, they're not playing to your strengths. They're just correcting your weakness. And so in business, it's 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 so true. Um, that another misconception, actually, and that also applies to business, is that you know weaknesses deserve more effort than than strengths. Uh, because if you if you correct your weaknesses, strengths take care of themselves. I actually have the, re the reverse view. Um, I take a strengths based approach to to my coaching, 
Um, and that is that if you've got something that you're doing well, do more of it and the weaknesses will come along for the ride. If you correct a weakness once again on the zero to 10 scale and then the zero to 10, the minus 10 to, uh, to zero scale, if you correct a weakness, you just get yourself back to zero, right? You're not, a, you're not at plus 10. So play to your strengths and everything else comes along. So that's a misconception as well, fixing a weakness. So in business, similarly, like you say, in business, you know, if you spend so much time working on fixing things that are wrong in your business, sometimes you forget about doing all the right things that have made you successful in the past. So there is definitely some crossover between personal and um, and business, and particularly if you're in a small business or self-employed, that crossover really does sort of uh, converge quite heavily. And I want to thought right now, more than ever, globally, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, that the whole area of resilience, particularly if you are self-employed, that you can't, in a lot of industries, we know that with lockdowns, we haven't been able to conduct business in a way that we would like. Restricted trading hours, restricted face-to-face, restricted amount of business that can actually be done. And that does require a lot of resilience, in fact, just to be able to cope with that day-to-day, Michael, to be able to get through that. And also I think you need resilience in the in this time of a lot of uncertainty around people's sustainability of their employment. So much flux at the moment. You're right. And I think and the, the expression, which I don't really like, but you know, pivot, people are saying we have to pivot. Um, yeah, I'm seeing that change. word. You know, I'm with you, mate. And the other one is the other one that gets me in Australia. I don't know what the rest of the world is like. We're all in it together. Some are more than others. Some are more than others. That's right. We're we're definitely not all in the same boat, put it that way. No, no, Um, that boat's leaking and sinking. (laughs) Yeah, so but with the you know with the 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 pivoting or the 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 adapting, if you like, of of your business, you're you're right. I mean, as you you touched on a bit earlier, so I had you know a personal uh, situation in my life, and, and when that happened. During, during lockdown, um, I decided that I was not going to work at all and, and be the carer for, you know, for a, the few months that I was required to do that. And that was the best thing I ever did because I woke up in the morning and I was free. And I thought, okay, I'm not putting yeah. pressure on myself in a lockdown situation to deal with, you know, to deal with the person I was caring for. Uh, and that worked, that worked, you know, that for me, that was a, the perfect coping mechanism. I just felt like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulder, uh, my shoulders and I, and I, I pushed through. That in itself, putting a frame around it, putting it in context, gave me clarity, and I actually completely changed my business model. So I moved away from um, from doing some of the coaching to do a bit more, a couple of other things on the side, which were completely outside of my area of expertise, and just had the time to explore it and had a bit of fun. So yes, this lockdown, this pandemic, and so forth, has affected businesses so much and personal life so much, but it has also, I think, made us all reflect and look inside. To find out, you know, what's really important, and also find out, you know, just how resilient we are. In some cases, we talk here today about building and sustaining resilience. You know, there's been so many stories that I've heard around um, people who have found things within them that they didn't realise they had, which is which has been amazing, and they've coped, you know, just as a natural tendency that's 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 come out without them even realise realising they had it. So, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, an interesting case study over the past couple of years. Fingers crossed it's all going to be finished soon. <laughs> well, I think there's, there's no doubt when you deal with adversity, we really do discover what we're made up of or what we're made of 
and mm. inner strength that often people will think, gosh, I didn't think I had it in me. But when push comes to shove or you just don't have a choice, you can be resilient mm. and you can learn about how to become more resilient. I, in fact, I'll ask you this, Michael, some tips on sustaining and building resilience. Can you share some some thoughts around that that some of the brothers, you know, could actually take from a practical yeah. sense straight off Absolutely. the bat? Absolutely. The one, and these are the ones that I, that I use, so I'm more than happy to, to share them. There's, there's plenty, but the ones that I, that I use. Um, the first one is I, um, I have uh, what I call a, a personal, sounds a bit sort of out there, but a personal coping mantra or you can call it a personal coping statement. So, you know, for example, when things go wrong, we, we all tend to have default uh, statements that we make to ourselves. Um, you know, it's, I'm not good enough, this always happens to me, you know, this again, you know, why me, or whatever the statement might be. It's a little thing that you say, and it may not be, a, you know, but it's re- but it's almost this this reinforcement, this inner, this inner voice in your village, which which, you know, can either whisper to you or scream at you depending on what's happening. And and in some cases, you know, people even hear their parents talking to them and all those sorts of things, right? So there's a, a natural default that actually happens with a lot of people when things go wrong. So the way I go about it, and it happens to me, so when I, and it happens to everybody, when that happens to me, when when I, I hear myself saying that, and that can be just, you know, a simple thing through, through you know, through business or through a, a personal situation, when I hear myself saying that, I have written down a couple of uh, personal mantras that I say, I catch myself saying it, and then I stop myself and I say something back, which is my personal mantra, and try and counter what's happened. And over time, that has really sort of become a habit of mine now, and a couple of the things that I would say to myself have now gone away. And I'm, you know, I've developed a more positive and, and optimistic outlook. So having a personal coping mantra or a personal coping statement or two, when things happen, is something which can just over time just naturally just change your mindset and move you into a more positive positive frame. Um, another one, another tip that I can that I can give the brothers is that you know ext- it, to extract strengths from your problems. So what I do is I we talk about the strengths based approach. I've li- listed a list of all of my strengths when I believe are my strengths. And when there's an issue that I find, you know, a little overwhelming or, you know, confronting, actually I physically go to that list and have a look at those that list. And I go, well, how can I apply that strength, which I know I've got, which is demonstrated over the years, how can I take that strength and apply it to the, the problem? Now, the actual act of just doing that itself, for me, minimises the problem immediately because it contextualises and puts a frame around it. And then when I actually do apply the strength, of it, it actually does work most of the time. And this is not a rocket science. This is not 100%. I'm just, these are things that work. No, it doesn't always work, but these are so just some tips. But certainly applying your strengths to a problem and understanding what your strengths are, it's just a good discipline. And I'm finding now over, over the years that I've been doing that, it becomes natural. So I don't have to go to that list now. I go, oh, yeah, I've been here before um, and I know what to do. And one of the key things around resilience is a thing called self-efficacy, which is, Every experience that you've had in your life to date has led you to being here today, right? Whether you like it or not, you've had ups and downs and really great times and not so great times and 
doubts and happiness and all sorts of things that that's all brought you to today. So part of that strengths exercise is, if you want to expand that, is to say, okay, well, what has been my life journey? And think about all of those sorts of things and how did I get through some of the situations I got through? What were the strengths that I dealt on? Because you probably did that anyway without even checking a list. Um, another um, coping mechanism uh, is, and it sounds intuitive, and I, I know that you really do this all every day, Phil, is to spend more time in nature. Uh, nature does centre you. It actually does. When you're out there, you can't help but see trees move. You can't help but hear birds chirp or see dogs run around and, and whatever. And there's no secret that in all the jurisdictions in the world during lockdown, letting people out for a period of time each day has been a common feature across the whole of the world, that you're allowed out as part of the lockdown protocols because people realise getting in nature and just getting out is a really, really important thing for mental health, but also, um, you know, just to help that positivity and so forth. Um, moving moving from a, um, a, a, a what I call a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. So now that's a little bit more, that requires a bit more, you know, a bit more of a conversation, but just as a general rule, you know, whenever a situation comes before you, you know, try and look at the opportunities that it can present, the challenges that you can rise up to, um, you know, the curiosities it, it brings, you know, what can you find within yourself? So your example, for example, when you were diagnosed, you looked at yourself and you, you said, okay, well, this has happened to me. What are the things that I can look within myself to help me contend with what this is? That's definitely moving from a fixed mind. You could have said, you know what, I've got cancer and I'll just get fixed up and that will be the end of that. But you said, no, I'm going to look down at myself and I'm going to say, what does this mean? How, how can I get, what can I find within myself? And you looked at all those sorts of things almost with, you know, probably some curiosities as well. So moving, moving, um, from a, from a fix to a growth mindset, it's really important. And the last thing I can just say is, particularly with COVID, stay off the news and try and stay off some social media, not this good social media, but other social media, which is negative. So just a few tips and techniques that I that yeah. I myself, yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely spot on. There is something, uh, two things that you said there. And one is getting out in nature. Mm. Um, I get out every morning. It's part of my routine. I've mm. done for a couple of years, at least right. three years, where I walk every morning. And sometimes I might listen to music or a podcast, but quite often a lot of my inspiration, my ideas for my business, for Saving Brothers, have come about. Keep Five Alive, the whole Keep Five Alive mm. came about going for a walk. You're right about the birds chirping. There is something special, particularly if you can do it in the morning mm. and get out and just I, – I often just – don't even listen to anything other than I like to listen to nature. Mm. And I go for a walk. I go down to my local cafe. I see the same people. I say good day. We have a bit of a laugh. Put our masks back on and drink our coffee and, and go for a walk. And that is just a really healthy part of my routine. And that's mm. probably helped me to build some resilience trench. I've mm. maintained for the last 10 weeks, three days a week, I do weight training, core and glute work. And I've got a nice habit going there. So half an hour, three days a week has been fantastic and work. And I think another thing that helps you with your resilience, if, I reckon the diet. Oh, yeah. Look, sleep. I mean, I didn't touch on, there's a 
I just gave you some tips, but certainly sleep, and I know you had the sleep uh, specialist on recently, sleep, diet, yeah. exercise, all of those are, are given. They all yeah. help you, you know, balance up your whole yep. your whole well-being. But certainly diet is is really, really important. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, 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 we're talking about some of the positives of, of building resilience, but I think it would be good to focus for a moment on some of the things that can tear down your resilience. And if I can start off, you already mentioned it, some aspects of the news and social media. Mm. From us being in Melbourne, Australia, so I get notifications that the uh, uh, the health minister and the premier uh, of our state are, are coming on the TV. You know, as you know, they come on in Australia in Melbourne at eleven a.m. Mm. I find that something that drags me down. I also mm. am very careful what media I watch or listen to, mm. or who I surround myself. So I think there are people that actually. You, you, they can suck energy away from you. And there are activities mm. and things that can take energy away from you which have, can then damage your resilience. Mm. So I think it would be good for you, Trench, to touch on some of the things that we should avoid that can inhibit or uh, knock, knock, knock our resilience around. Well, yeah, for sure. And certainly I think the, the news uh, is definitely one. I mean, we need to know the headlines. Of course, we need to know what's going on, particularly at, at certain milestones. So what I do, you're right, in, in Melbourne, we have the 11 o'clock you know, press conferences around the country. Um, it, I watch those only when I know that there's a particular announcement happening for a change about to, to come yeah. so we know what, what freedoms we have will be granted or what will be taken away. So I, I watch that. Other than that, and I only watch it for the first five minutes just to get the, the headlines, as it were. Yeah. Uh, literally don't watch the news at night time anymore at all. And, in fact, some of the other media shows, you know, the current affairs shows and so forth. Yeah. Um, and I do that. Funnily enough, even with social media, you know, I, I just I pick and choose what I look at and I try yeah. to, to stand toward more positive uh, commentary. Um, I was fortunate enough uh, recently to, to, this is before lockdown, to attend a... Um, uh, a session with someone from Facebook, a very senior executive uh, in Facebook that managed one of their divisions. And uh, she was saying that even Facebook have recognised the uh, that the individual scrolling down when you scroll in isolation can be extremely uh, negative. That's why yeah. they, they really promote the Facebook groups yeah, because that because they, you have that, that level of community. So just scrolling down in isolation, particularly if you're seeing what Facebook shows, which is a world of happiness and and, and <laughs> constant likes, um, you know, if you're in a negative mindset, that can amplify that negativity as well. So, you know, just be very selective of social media. What I'm saying sounds in a perfect world. It's not always easy to filter these things out, but certainly those two mediums are, are really are really crucial. The other thing too is, um, you know, just. I wouldn't say stay away from, from negative people, but if people are negative, once again, just because you need to talk to people and everyone's going through their own experiences and, you know, particularly with Savvy Brother, we, we, we all reach out and we want to hear from other people, which is absolutely fine. But just make sure that you, you know, have some self-care and put some quarantines around yourself to make sure that you don't take on what you're hearing, that, you know, you can be there and you can assist, but you can be somewhat detached from those issues. Otherwise, if you take them all on, that can also bring you down human beings have a negativity bias. We, we we have that from you know from our very beginnings, and so when something's negative, we can easily fall into that and become negative. And it is like I said, that zero 
minus 10 to, to zero to positive 10, getting from zero to positive 10 takes an effort. And it's very easy to slip back, uh, you know, into into a negative mindset. So they're just a few things that I, I tend to employ um, and I try, I try and coach my clients to, to employ as well. The other thing too is um, if you are feeling like, you know, if you are feeling quite down, um, talking to someone. Now, of course, if you need professional help, absolutely. Um, whether it's a psychiatrist, psychologist, counsellor, social worker, whatever the case may be. But sometimes talking to other people um, who are going through the same thing as yourself. So, for example, this lockdown in Melbourne, we've had, this is our sixth lockdown. Um, and I think most people coped, from what I can understand and what I'm talking to my friends anyway, coped pretty well with the first five. <laughs> but this one seems to have really been a problem for a lot of people more than anyone else. They just seem to be really having a real struggle with this particular one. Um, and it's funny because, you know, talking to a number of people, they've actually all admitted that. And when you hear people talking like that, it actually you actually realise, well, you know what, you're going through the same thing that I'm going through. Uh, I thought it was just me on the sixth lockdown, but apparently it's you and you and you and you. And when you have that, that you know, almost that safety in numbers, it makes you realise that, you know, for... A small period of time we are a little bit in this together um in that context at least but that helps as well so that can also help with you know with removing some of the negativity to say you know well we are going to get through this together and you can sort of lean on each other um, within reason it's interesting i heard the term recently a friend of mine said how are you going pete he said i've got pandemic fatigue mm. interesting term it's an interesting, interesting term mm. Yeah, and I think that's the thing when you said the first five lockdowns, we kind of bunkered down and said, all right, well, we've just got to do what we've got to do. But we got to the point now, I think a lot of people, particularly because we are, I think, the second most locked down city in the world. And what are we up to? Almost mm. 220 days. 220, 230 days out of the year, yeah. And people are just exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Mm. And so it really has tested the bounds and boundaries of our resilience, and hence I think it's so important to get around people that are generally optimistic mm. and see the good, the positivity. I think you've got to be careful of those people that I would call them dream crushers. I've used this term for a lot of years. It was actually a term I, mm. I heard many years ago, Trench, from Zig Ziglar. He talked about getting away from people with stinking thinking, as he, as he called it. And that is mm. just be careful who you do associate with. Sometimes you can't avoid negative people or negative mm. commentary. But if you're hearing that quite regularly, that will weigh you down. So, again, mm. I think really important to get around more positive people and and just even some of the things where you talked about the feed on, on things like Facebook. I've actually made personally, and I'm feeling so much better about it, Rather than always be going to my phone and picking up my phone, mate, and going da 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 da, da mm. and scrolling through, as you say, through Facebook, I've actually really stepped back, and I'm not on social media wanting to comment on everybody's posts. All the time. One, mm. I found that exhausting. I think it's a lot of no disrespect to, to friends and people out there, but I find that um, it's not particularly productive. Hmm. And I don't necessarily need to see the, the latest picture of someone's cat or dog on, on Facebook. I liked the idea of Facebook when it was people catching up with each other and sharing hmm. something of, of great value, but there's a lot of rubbish on Facebook. So I think hmm. actually having less time on devices and social media 
is a way to, to actually take back some of you, empower yourself and perhaps mm. take that, whether you listen to some positive music, you listen to something positive as in information, be it uh, positive like a Tony Robbins or a Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy mm. or any of these sort of people, Wayne Dyer, but doing something that's uplifting. And I yeah, think when you, the more you do that, the more likely you are going to be able to build on creating some building blocks around creating more resilience. I, I agree. I think, you know, um, yeah, if you can be, if you can get yourself really busy and take your mind, it's almost like a form of meditation. So, you know, you said this morning, every morning you go out for your walk, you listen yep. to the birds, the trees, coffee, catch up with a couple of people. That's almost a form of meditation. Your mind is being, Absolutely. that's actually mindfulness. You're actually getting in there and you're doing that and your mind is being focused on all of that and, and everything else goes away. Similarly, you know, if you do that scrolling and the social media, your mind does just go straight there. Whereas, you know, if you're listening to and doing something productive, whether it's playing a musical instrument or learning a language or something, you're actually making yourself busy and, and you're taking your mind away because you, when you, when you, don't have those distractions your mind ruminates because your mind will always tell you a story and because we have a negativity bias that that story usually ends in a really can end in a negative place yeah whether it's at two in the morning or whether it's at 11 in the morning it's you know it can be a negative so removing those removing the opportunity for your mind to wander into those places and giving it something else such as a positive you know whether it's music as you say or a podcast or motivational speak whatever the case may be um very, very, very good for your your mental health, and definitely good for your for your resilience. Remember, building resilience is not just an overnight thing. It's a it's a constant reinforcement of all the things we've spoken about, and we've only just touched on them really. But just all the things we're talking about, it's a constant reinforcement of those things to build it up over time. Yeah, and bear in mind, you you will have your times where you slip back a bit too, of course. Of course, but it's that continual continual you know, effort to to keep it going, which then affects you know some really good positive mindset change but i think the more resilient you it's almost like you build up a bank of resilience so when you have those challenging times you can weather that storm so much better hmm. you reach into a coaching it. trench you're yeah. mostly going to be with saving brothers in terms of one-to-one -one coaching would that be right yeah one-to-one -one coaching we're running a just for putting the final touches on a downloadable course which will put up pop up on the the port the portal but it's yeah. essentially one-to-one -one coaching. Uh, uh, this isn't a group thing because it's such a personal uh, uh, topic and such a personal, you know, internal, um, uh, you know, uh, concept for everybody that yeah. uh, it's not one for a group, you know, group group coaching or anything like that. No. So yeah. Now you're also a Saving Brothers ambassador. Yes. And I thank you for that. Bradley, Tell me, Bradley. what is it that you hope to bring to Saving Brothers? Uh, as an ambassador, what what was it that attracted you to want to make a stand for men? Yeah, look, um, it was really well. Getting after I spoke with you and, and getting to understand the journey, but I, I've had some, you know, my own health challenges as as, as men in in, in at our age uh, have had. Um, so you know that whole uh, bringing that awareness of men taking care of their health which, as you know, uh, we don't do and traditionally haven't done a very good job. We're getting better. Uh, so bringing that awareness to uh, to everyone and just, you know, being able to help anyone that's that's reaching out on a variety of, of different things. What I liked about, you know, the health, self and wealth, it's, it's, a, it's across all gamuts of, of the lives of men. So 
you know, it's not just one-dimensional. It's got a, a broader base, a broader broader uh, reach, I guess, in terms of, you know, what Saving Brothers means and what it can bring to the community. So you know, it just ticks so many of my uh, so many of the boxes that I've been trying to do in my own little world, um, and it just really allowed me to be part of a bigger community, but then also allow my messaging to, to reach a broader group as well. So oh, um, yeah, it was just, it's just positive all around. And I commend you on what you're doing, Phil. It's amazing work. Really no, is. thanks, Trench. And I think I'm really very fortunate to have people like yourself and a lot of oh, wonderful people, men and women across the globe, who have been involved with Saving Brothers. Mm. A lot mm. of the people are behind the scenes. There are mentors to me. Uh, I have lots of conversations with different people who give me ideas, feedback, things that we can do better. And we're always looking for feedback from brothers on things that they would like us to be able to bring out in the future and, and as, as quickly as we can. Trent, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you Thank today. You. Uh, as Same we here. head into another weekend where we're actually allowed to go out and have picnics tomorrow. We can have picnics. <laughs> Bizarre as it is, though, folks, that in Victoria, our state here, we'll be allowed in groups of five from two families to be able to go out for a picnic to have water but no alcohol. So that is absolutely quite bizarre. We have to be resilient with that one. We have to be resilient on that one, that's for sure. <laughs> we like a couple of grogs in the park, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do indeed. But we do. So, Trench, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Trench, don't forget, keep five alive as always, brother. Look after yourself. Thank you. Thank you. And and sure thank you, Phil. Thanks. For, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to talk to you and to the brothers as well. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Awesome, Trench. Take care, brother. Okay. Take care. See you, buddy. This has been a Saving Brothers podcast. Thanks for listening.